Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. With me to Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32. We're in the final Sunday of the series Acres of Diamonds. How many of you have my new book? Let me see it. Let me see your hand. And the rest of you, when you get to heaven, Jesus is going to say. There's a reason why you can't come in. You didn't read the Bible enough and you didn't have Jensen's book, Acres of Diamonds. I'm kidding. You ought to get it because it'll change your life. I think it's the best book that we've written. And I believe that it'll be a blessing. And the whole premise of the book has to do with a true story in South Africa where a man had a farm and he sold it cheaply because he heard there were diamonds being discovered in India and he left and chased those diamonds, never found them, took his own life. The man who bought the farm plowed the same fields and discovered the world's largest diamond mine in human history, the famous Golconda Diamond Mine, where the Queen of England buys her diamonds. And the thought is, the theme is, it's possible that you could be looking everywhere at everybody else's life and miss the diamonds, the acres and acres of diamonds that God has put you in right where you are, in the marriage that you're in, in the family that you're in, the job, the opportunities that are afforded you. You say, well, my life looks like a mess. That farm looked like a mess until the right person saw it through the eyes of faith and made it into acres of diamonds. And that's how our life, that's how our ministries get. It's always that point where we want to quit, where it's so much easier to sell out. And I found this story in the Bible, and I want to show you from Jeremiah 32, verse 25. Jeremiah 32 and verse 25. And you have said to me, O Lord God, buy the field for money and take witnesses. Yet the city has been given into the hand of the Chaldeans. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And the famous verse is there, the last one that I read, but the whole verse is connected to verse 25, buy the field for money. And his response was, and he said, make sure you've got witnesses that can prove that you bought the field and you have a real, and it says earlier in the chapter, I want you to get a real estate contract and bury it in the ground and come back and have proof that you own it. Make sure you've got witnesses. I love what he said. He said, I want you to buy this field. Now, why does that matter and what is the significance of it? Because what had happened was they were going into captivity. Nebuchadnezzar had invaded and they had destroyed the whole area. It had been decimated by war. Everybody was selling trying to get enough to get out of town because the invading army was taking over everything and they were going to be taken captive back to Babylon for 70 years in chains. So why would you buy everybody selling? Nobody's buying, but God spoke to Jeremiah and he said, you buy when everybody else is selling. 
And he said, I don't want you just to buy it, but I want you to put the contract in the ground in an earthen vessel and bury it because the truth is your circumstance looks bad and this property looks worthless and the promise that I've given you concerning a land flowing with milk and honey does not look like it's even possible in the circumstance that you're in. But you've got a contract and I want you to put it in that barren ground and you're going into some tough stuff for the next 70 years. You'll be in chains and in bondage. But I promise you, you're going to come back. And when you come back, you're going to be glad you've got that contract because it's going to be like it's going to be like West Coast property on the ocean. It's going to be, I mean, we're talking major bucks here. If you buy when everybody buy, buy, I, I, I thought about calling this sermon buy low and sell high. But he said, buy the field, buy into this, buy when everybody else is selling. Dismiss the thought of defeat and believing that your divine destiny is over. I want you to buy into this and I want you to believe with me that what God has promised you, it will come to pass. I'm not saying it'll come instantly and it won't come quickly, but sometimes the greatest thing you can do is buy into what God has told you, where he's planted you, and in the situation that he has put you in, in the church that you're in, buy in. Quit renting, quit, 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 quit leasing and buy it. I'm invested. I'm into it. I'm not going anywhere. It's, it's sink or swim. And listen, your ship is coming in, but you need to make sure you're not at the bus stop when your ship comes in. I'm preaching today that I see on the spiritual horizon, I see ships headed to your shore. The ship of prayer is coming in. The ship of vision is coming in. The ship of dreams and holy aspirations that God has put in your heart for many years, they're coming in. And you need to make sure you're not at the bus station when your ship comes in at the dock. It's time to move from asking to receiving, from knocking to opening, from seeking to finding. Your victory, the key to it is in proper placement. Find your place and stay there and buy the land, buy the dream, buy into it. Quit uprooting, looking for the easy route. Sometimes God says, this ain't going to be easy, but go on and buy in. And when you buy in, I'll be your backer. Don't move. Stay there. Don't become double-minded now that the heat and the pressure is on. Don't become unpredictable. Stay right where you are. 2020, your ships are coming in. A double-minded man begins to become wishy-washy and wondering and vacillating and going back and forth. There's a verse in Jude in the New Testament. There's only one, one chapter in that, in that uh, book of the Bible. And he says, he pronounces a severe judgment on the angels, listen, that didn't stay in heaven, but they moved out of heaven and followed Lucifer. One third of the angels who were assigned around the throne in heaven they, they vacated the place that they were commanded to stay. And when they did, a severe judgment is given in Jude 1.13 when he says that he is reserved for those, those 
uh, wandering stars, he calls them eternal darkness. He says those wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And King James says they're in chains in a, in a terrible dark place. Why such severe, severe punishment for these fallen angels? Because a star is defined as a fixed point. And he calls them wandering stars. Much of the world back then was led by stars. The wise men would have never found Jesus if the star that was shining over the manger kept wandering over here and wandering over there. But the fact that it did what it was created to do and stayed where it was supposed to stay brought people to Jesus, brought the world to Jesus. If a ministry becomes wandering stars and we're not connected to the house of God, that we just are into our own success and our own world and we don't have that fixed point of reference in our life, then something is off. There are two characteristics of a star. It is to be bright and burning and it is not to move. It is to be so fixed that it can bring people to the right location that they're supposed to be. And what I'm saying to you is our strength is in when we take a stand, when we refuse to be wandering stars, but when we just stay where God has put us and we do what God has called us to do. Take a stand. Make a stand for God. Make sure you're present when your prayers get answered. Make sure you're present when your ship comes in. Make sure that you have not been shaken and you refuse to be altered because it's taking too much time according to your calendar. God told Jeremiah, buy when everybody else wanted to sail. He said, you're going into captivity and the natural mind said, it's foolish. It's foolish to buy. It's foolish to double up on commitment. Now, look, everybody's, they were having auctioneers all over the place, selling whole estates. And here this guy is doubling down and buying when everybody's selling. Conditions, what God was saying, your condition is not permanent. It looks bad, but I want you to buy into what I promised you. Buy into what I've told you. Buy into what I have prophesied over you. It's coming to pass, and your condition is not permanent. There'll be a time when it looks like it's not happening, but you just buy in. Buy into that college. Buy into that career. Buy into that marriage. Buy into that purpose and that dream that you have. Even when it looks like it's not happening. We've leased it. We've rented it. But we've not bought it. Joseph of Arimathea needed, had a tomb and Jesus needed a tomb. And a tomb is not something you rent. A tomb is something you need to own. But he said, Jesus, I'll let you use it for three days. And in his mind, I like him because his faith said, if I can just stay alive for three days, I'll get it all back. And it went dark there for three days, but after three days, and there'll come a time when it feels like that everything goes dark, but if you'll hold on, it's still your property, it's still your promise, it's still your prophecy. You may be in the dark a few days, but your ship is coming in. Just make sure you're not at the bus station with your suitcases, vacating the premises. It's going to happen. Just stay there. God told Jeremiah, I want you to buy in a time of selling. And many are selling the truth. There's this amazing verse in Proverbs 23 and verse 23. 
and it says this. It says, buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. He's saying there's coming a day when people will rent the truth as long as it doesn't interfere with their life, they like the gospel. As long as it doesn't cost me anything, they like the gospel. They'll rent it and they'll lease it. But he says there comes a time when you have to buy the truth when everybody else is selling it. What do you mean? I mean, some are selling the book of Acts. They're saying miracles are over. They're saying the power of God doesn't heal the sick. The power of God doesn't do the supernatural anymore. And while they're selling the Bible, I'm buying this book. I still believe from Genesis to Revelation, everything it says is God breathed. And it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Heaven and earth will fade away, but the word of God will endure forever. Say amen, somebody. People are selling their convictions. They're selling their standards. They're selling their convictions. But we need to buy it. When everybody else is selling their standards and their convictions, we need to buy in. Other people are selling praying in the Spirit. Selling fasting. Selling all of this. Don't get into it too much. But I'm not selling praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. There's nothing like it. I'm more bought into it than I've ever been. And if I'm praying, I'd say about 80% of my prayers is out in, in another tongue as the Spirit gives me the utterance. That's not for sale in my life. I don't care if I ever get in your clique. I don't care what your opinion is. There, that's not for sale in my life. I bought in to the power of the Holy Spirit. Give the Lord a praise if you're not ashamed. Hallelujah. A lot of people are selling sacrifice. They're selling it. They're selling tithing. They're sell, selling sacrificial giving. It's not necessary. That's Old Testament. I'm not going to give God a tithe, which is a tenth. I'm selling that. But I'm going to tell you something. It still works. And when you honor God with the tithe, you can sell it if you want to. I bought in. And when I buy in with my tithe, I'm saying, God, you're God of my resources. I'm not looking to the economy. If the stock market falls another thousand points, Jehovah Jireh is my source and he will make a way for me. Give me, give me, give me a little bit more volume on the monitor. Just a little bit. I'm liking my preaching more than y'all are. I like to hear me preach when I preach good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm still a tither. I started when I was 16 working at Canton Station, bussing Chinese restaurant plates. And if they didn't eat the egg roll, I was, in, I was hungry. I'd pick it up off their plate and eat it just if it looked like they hadn't touched it. Put a cross on it and take it in, in Jesus' name. But you know, the Lord saw my little tithe check every week, and he's blessed me exceedingly, abundantly, above all I could ask a thing. Don't tell me to sell it because some professor in theology has come along with a new doctrine. Or some new preacher in skinny jeans doesn't believe it's necessary anymore. 
You want to be blessed? You want the windows of heaven to open up? You want God to send you in blessed and send you out blessed? Become a tither and watch the hand of the Lord bless everything you possess. Everybody take a praise break. Just telling you. Tell somebody, that's how I got my car. That's how I got my house. That's how I got these clothes. That's how I got this good haircut. I got it all from the hand of God. I ain't selling that. I'm, I want to throw one, another one in there. My worship is not for sale. <laughs> I had to cross this bridge a long time ago in Gainesville, Georgia, when our church started growing. Our church, you could, you could have put the whole church in this section, and, and it started growing. And when it started growing, people, people started coming from everywhere and influential people, you know, all kinds of people, and people uh, just, you know, educated people, and rich people, wealthy people, and all kinds of people, black people, white people, all kinds of people just coming. And I felt the pressure. I felt the pressure. So-and-so's here. So-and-so. Then my little ushers would run that. So-and-so just pulled up. So-and-so just pulled up. So-and-so just pulled up. I remember when we came out here, when we first came out here, I remember the first Rolls Royce they told me pulled up in the parking lot. I never heard of a Rolls Royce being at church, but in Orange County, this is a pretty normal day. And, 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 and somebody said, oh my God, pastor, a Rolls Royce is in the parking lot. I said, that's amazing. But you know what the enemy would do to you? He'd say, now you need to tone it down, tone it down. And I had to make up my mind that I was not going to sell my worship to please Brother Big Bucks. I appreciate Brother Big Bucks. We need Brother and Sister Big Bucks. But I will not sell my worship to you and turn this into just another little dead dry. Oh, come on, somebody. If you sold your worship, you need to buy it back because worship will get you through the valley. Worship will get you through the storm. Worship will get you through the bad news. Worship will get you through the famine. Somebody give him a big praise because worship is not for sale. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, he needs to settle down. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You don't know like I know what he's done for me. We used to sing that song. So, so until you walked in these 11, 10 and a half, 11, whatever they are, boots, you don't have a right. Glory. All right. I got that out of me. We don't need to quieten down. I rise to defend shouting and praising and dancing and leaping, getting happy in church on a Sunday morning in the 930 service. You can't heat an oven with a snowball. Buy your worship back. He said, buy the field. I think of Shammah in 2 Samuel 23, one of David's mighty men. When the Philistines invaded, the Bible said that all the other Israelites fled. But Shammah went out in a pea patch, lentils or peas. And he went out in a pea patch. And he said, I think I'll just buy this field. 
and the Philistines are coming by the thousands. And somebody said, what are you doing? What do you, why don't you run for your life? Everybody's selling. Everybody's selling. It's time to sell that field. It's not fun anymore. It's not easy. But he said, this is my field. God gave me this field. These are my peas, and I happen to like peas. And the thing that he understood, Shama understood, was if you give the devil your pea patch, he's going to come after your cornfield next. And if you give him your cornfield, he's coming after your okra. And if he gets your okra, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. If he comes after your okra, I'm going to really mess you up. He's then coming after your collard greens. And, and, and he was from the south, so he said, ain't nobody getting my collard greens. Hell will, hell will freeze over before the devil gets my collard. So I might as well make up my mind. Somewhere I've got to take a stand. And if, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And he said, this is as good a place as any. I'm going to stand in this pea patch. And when you stand for God, God will stand for you. And when you make a stand and you say, this is my field. I'm buying this field. I'll fight for this family. I'll fight for this ministry. I'll fight for this calling. I'll fight for this dream. That's when God stands up. One of my favorite stories is the story of Stephen, the first martyr of the New Testament. And he's being stoned. And as the stones are killing him, the Bible said he looked up and the heavens opened up. And the scripture said he saw Jesus, throw that verse up, standing at the right hand of the Father. It's the only time in the New Testament where you will find Jesus standing in, the, in heaven after the death and resurrection. Every other place it says he's, seat, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Sitting at the, because the work is done. But on this particular day, when Stephen took a stand for Jesus, Jesus said, excuse me, angels, I have to stand up because you can't take a stand for me and me not take a stand for you. If you stand for right, I'll fight for you. If you stand for right, I'll stand for you. And the enemy that you're fighting will be my enemy and I don't lose. It's going to happen, but you got to buy when everybody else is quitting, when everybody else is selling out, when everybody else feels led to move on. You have to buy in. Buy in. I read a little story about this guy who told his flash with greatness, his 15 minutes of fame. And he said that he was uh, in, in a place there and there was commotion going on. He was just trying to get to his apartment. He had been out running, and he had some little earplugs in his Walkman. That, that's what they called it back then, a Walkman, and he had it in his ears. He wasn't paying attention. He just kind of came the back alleyway that he had normally would go, and he said all of a sudden off, on the back door of this building, the back door flings open, and there's a security guy, a, a, a security man, and he's got the little contraption in his ear. He's come, come in, good buddy. I don't know what they say, but you know, he's, he's saying, where are you? Where are you? And, and, and when he looks over and there's people roped off and when he looks over and he sees this guy who was just trying to get, skip past the crowd to get to his little apartment down the road, he saw this guy with the walk man and he assumed that he was the security. 
And he said, come over here. You're supposed to be at the door. And the guy just walked over there and he stood there. He said, now you hold this door because the king is coming through. Elvis Presley was in the building and the king of rock and roll. And so, and so he said, my, my, my great moment of fame was I'm standing there holding the door. And sure enough, here he comes himself. The king comes walking through and the guy uh, interviewed him said, what did he say? He said, he said, thank you very much. He said, it was the greatest moment in my life. Sometimes it's just being there. Sometimes it's just being in the right place at the right time. And the king comes walking through. And when he does, he'll say, thank you very much for your faithfulness. I saw you come when you didn't feel like it. I saw you buy when everybody else was selling. I saw you give it, not giving up when everybody else gave up. Celebrate one of the greatest victories in the world. You're still here. Greater than you have fallen. Greater than you have given up. Greater than you would have not been able to stand. But look at you right here. Tell your neighbor, you're looking at one of the greatest victories in the world. Come on, tell them, I'm still here. The enemy hit me with his best shot and I'm still here. I bought the field. Got a bad report, but I come to church. Got laid off, but I come to church. Got my family all jacked up, but I come to church. Got all kinds of problems, but I'm still here. That's the kind of person the king will find you and come walking down a dark alley and say, thank you very much for believing in the worst of times. Now I'm going to bless you with the best of times. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise if you believe it. I'm almost done. Can I preach five more minutes? Jesus is hanging on the cross. And he sees his mother weeping. And he says, John, why did he choose John? He's the only one there. That's it. He bought the field. He said, I'm not selling. All the others sold out. Run, run, get out of Dodge, get out of town. But one said, I'm going all the way with him. If they kill me, they kill me. But I'm standing there because I know that man is the, is the redeemer. And when Jesus looked down, he said, you take care of my mother. Because he was, he was there. He bought in. He didn't sell out under pressure, under heat. He didn't sell out. Joseph, uh, Simon of Cyrene was a black man. Cyrene is a part of Africa. And the Bible said when Jesus was being crucified and he's beaten and his beard has been plucked out and he's carrying the cross and the weight of the cross, he collapses under while he's walking down the cobblestone streets of the Via Della Rosa on his way to Calvary. The cross is too heavy and he collapses. And all of a sudden, we sing about it and preach about it. But the first man to ever carry the cross for Jesus, the first human being to ever have the blood of 
redemption on him was a man by the name of Siren Cyrene. And was he super talented? Was he super gifted? No, he was just there. And because he was there and he had not sold out, but he had bought in, somebody grabbed him and said, pick up the cross and carry Jesus' cross. And he had the blood all over him. Don't you know his family was blessed when the blood got on? Don't you know when he went home, something's every curse was broken. He had no idea that the cross was a plus, not a minus. I close with this. No, that's not a thank you, Jesus. I love you. I'm cutting that. Couldn't resist. <laughs> uh, let me close with this. <laughs> when I point to you, I want you to give me a big thank you, Jesus. All right, you ready? When I, just get ready for it because it's coming. Thank you, sir. Watch this. Watch this. Hey, Simon Peter. Why do you think the Lord used you on the day of Pentecost? You must have been really holy. No. You must have had all the fruits of the Spirit. No, I got mad and cut a man in the Garden of Gethsemane. cut his ear off because he ticked me off you, you, you must have been must have been a prayer warrior no actually I fell asleep in the last prayer meeting Jesus ever had on earth I was snoring when they came to arrest him you must have, you must have been a, so filled with faith that you believed in miracles no I actually started drowning in the middle of a miracle be careful when God starts your miracle that you don't get your eyes off Jesus and start drowning in the middle of a miracle. You must have, uh, you must have, you must have just really felt confident when you went in the upper room. No, every time I heard a rooster crow, I felt shame, embarrassment, and disgrace. But I was there. I bought in. When I met that lean, tall Galilean named Jesus, I said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I, I failed him so many times. I denied him three times. I lied. I claimed I didn't know him. I, I have failed him, but I just, he knew I would be there. He knew that 380 of them, he told 500 to go to the upper room. And 380 rented but they didn't buy in and they left only 120 and one out of the 120 was Simon Peter he bought in and God used him the mightiest not because he was so great powerful awesome and brilliant he just bought in every once in a while you'll go in the mall and you'll see a car 
that they're giving away. Y'all remember when they used to do this? I don't know if they still do this or not. But they used to have like a car that they were giving away in a big contest. It was some kind of deal to get your address. And, 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 and you would have to fill out something and give them your information and then put it in a little, you, you'd fold it up. This is how they used to do it. Now they got it. But I'm just, just go with it. And, and, and you'd put it in the little box. Way down there in small print, so tiny that you needed magnifying glass to read it, it would say these words. On such and such a date, the date would be advertised big, May the 3rd, the, the, the reading will take place. But down there, way at the bottom, it would have in tiny words, you must be present to win. In other words, even if you had the winning ticket, if you were not present that day, and they put it so little because they knew you wouldn't read it, and then they could say, too bad. You weren't present. You don't win. It's kind of how it is in the kingdom. He said, I want you to bury this in the ground. I promised you acres of diamonds. I promised you a land flowing. And it doesn't look like it right now. But if you're present when the winner is called out, you will win. If you won't give up, if you won't vacate, if you won't walk away from everything I promised you, I am faithful and I'll bring it to pass. You're going to stand in it and smile and look at it and say, Oh my God, I'm so glad I didn't give up. In the day of adversity. If you quit in the day of adversity, your strength is small. This is a moment to buy in, not sell out. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.